With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back on another episode of the Anonymous Eagle Podcast. My name is Patrick Leary, and Sam uh, joins me as always. Sam, what did you do uh, this week um, to uh, replace your Marquette viewing? Panic about the fact that we're ranked again. Okay, that's um, fair. But otherwise, I... Uh, Sam had jury duty this week. Oh, wow. Th- those on Twitter would have heard about that by now, I'm sure, um, because I like to complain about my life very publicly. But also, I uh, got to live tweet from one of the other uh, blogs I'm involved with, Big East Coast Bias, um, about the Nova Kansas game that happened yesterday. And that was. I'm very proud of some of my tweets from that, and everybody else is really mad at me about it. Everyone go check out uh, Big East Coast Bias on Twitter to read Sam's uh, snarky, esoteric tweets. Um, what was your... How did you get out? What was your... Uh, of jury duty, what was your... Um, like, how did you get let out? Oh, I was actually on a case. But Who were you? It was minor misdemeanor stuff that only took, like, three or four hours. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's actually really convenient. Yeah. You probably didn't have to do, like, multiple days, right? Nope. Wow, that's really the way to do it. Get on a case, but have it be cheap or uh, easy. Yeah, wow. All right, um, that's fantastic. Um, so Marquette obviously didn't have a game, um, and you know that's probably good because we were probably still all hungover for a couple of days from that glorious victory over Wisconsin. Um, emotionally, of course, is what I'm referring to there. Um, so, uh, but since there was no uh, actual Marquette uh, game action to talk about. Uh, we wanted to open it up and do a little mailbag this week. Uh, we got a few submissions, um, and that's good because uh, we don't want to go forever with a podcast that has no game to analyze. Um, but uh, we uh, will be going through some of those, um, and then at the end we will uh, circle around to Marquette's two games this week. Uh, I'm not going to talk about North Dakota for too long. Um, but that Friday game against Buffalo is really intriguing, um, and I'll say this again at the end, but it's one of the first times... Um, in uh, Steve Wojciechowski's tenure at Marquette that um, Marquette plays a game of meaning and substance in between Wisconsin and the start of Big East play. Um, and Buffalo, game of substance is right because Buffalo is, you know, they're number 14 right now in the country and they're gaining steam and that's a legit team that Marquette's going to have to deal with. But we will get to that at the end of the podcast. Um, so we want to start with the mailbag. Uh, Sam, do you want to uh, read the first uh, topic? Sure. Of discussion. Well, the first real topic I think we want to hit on is: uh, Did fellow anonymous Eagle yes. writer Ben Snyder get trolled by the head coach of your Marquette Golden Eagles, yes. Steve Wojciechowski? And this was brought to us by uh, Joe McCann of the uh, venerable uh, Cracked Sidewalks Scrambled Eggs podcast. Um, and this is, um, a very interesting, um, somewhat self-involved, but, um, maybe legitimate question, um, and probably the only news of the week, uh, from, you know, Marquette, uh, basketball circles as the, uh, 
team uh, was in finals and there wasn't a lot uh, going on. Um, but basically where this stems from is Ben, um, uh, you should all check out his work for AnonymousEagle.com. He's uh, one of the finest uh, bloggers, at, at the very least a top 10 Anonymous Eagle blogger, I would say. Um, uh, ben, Hi, Ben. Ben wrote a uh, post on Anonymous Eagle. I'm trying to find it uh, as I'm scrolling down here. When when would that have gone up? Would that have been? Uh, it was during finals week. It was so during finals week. So in so after the yeah. uh, Wisconsin game. Yeah. So the long and short of it, while while Pat's yeah. looking it up here, is that Ben wrote an article about oh there it is potential trades you know quote unquote trades you could make for Marquette basketball. In a purely joking, like, comical sense. And for those that don't, like, know exactly the um, ins and outs of sort of sports blogging, so to speak, um, this is a very, very typical, like, there's nothing going on, let's write this up and mess around and be hypothetical kind of structure. So this is not anything out of the ordinary. Uh, It was done last year. I don't think Ben did it last year. I think Andy might have done it last year. Um, But... uh, it was very. This is not anything out of the ordinary, and uh, so. But it quite possibly um, was perceived as um, out of the ordinary. Um, so Steve Wojciechowski, um, our wonderful, um, gaining in popularity as Marquette gains more quality wins as we go. Basketball coach um, wrote. Um, wouldn't trade my guys for anyone. The subtweets. Um, the subtweets. On, on Twitter. Um, at, in, on a, an admittedly adorable video of uh, the basketball team singing Christmas carols um, with a young girl with Down syndrome in a, um, in a uh, Santa hat. Adorable video. All the stuff. Go watch this. All the stuff uh, that Marquette put out on Twitter and Instagram on their visit to, I believe it was Children's Hospital, um, was fantastic. But... May have been perceived as a little bit of a, I guess, a subtweet of Ben's concept. Um, did Ben um, Ben tweeted about trading Greg Elliott or wrote about trading Greg Elliott, right? I it think was it, like, was... it was like sell Greg Elliott for like a buy now guard that can help the help Marquette's uh, uh, perimeter game was the uh, purpose of the article, which, again, completely hypothetical. Completely um, a joke, completely just content. like, And also Greg Elliott, um, definitely, definitely very well-respected good guy in the program. Um, the next video, by the way, um, I'm just noticing this. I'm not, like... Oh, God, I'm not trying thinking to, out loud. I'm not trying oh, God! To, <laughs> I'm not trying to add it to the... I'm not trying to add it to, like, the overall narrative uh, of that Wojo was subtweeting. But... The only person that's like interviewed like one on one in the next article is Gre- in the next video is Greg Elliott talking about like how much like this means to everyone at the program. So it's like I don't, gosh, I don't want to be like in our own bubble. Like this is a subtweet. Like this is amazing. And honestly, even if it is, it's hilarious that it is a subtweet. Like I'm not saying like oh like it's we like didn't mean it like get off your high horse or anything like i actually even if it was a subtweet i find it freaking hilarious it's incredible um it is incredible and it's hilarious because ben meant absolutely nothing by it um and uh actually ben uh ben texted the podcast uh, a statement 
Um, and we will now read it aloud as his personal attorneys uh, slash colleagues. Um, okay, just because I work at a law firm, Pat. Yeah, <laughs> no. Would you like to read it as you're as you're the you're the uh, attorney of Jace uh, of the podcast? Um, I had no idea that finals week content in all caps, which is again, that's what that's what it was. It was finals week content. It was stuff that people write when there are no games to write about. I had no idea that finals week content about a trade which has 0% chance of ever happening would cause such mayhem. I fully expect Wojo to hunt me down and kill me with his bare hands. Frankly, that's a fine way to go out, and I've made peace with it. <laughs> so that's so that's that. Um, so, uh, I don't know. Um, gut instinct, for me, is not a subtweet. Just Wojo's way of saying, like, we love our guys. This is the amazing stuff that they do. Is that yours as well, or do you? Think it probably you... is, but I like, my brain is no longer allowing me to entertain it as anything other than a subtweet, okay. and maybe that's coming from my own saltiness because I am now. Ben has the distinction of being blocked by Steve Woodhousey on Twitter. Interesting. I have now earned that distinction because gestures broadly at everything negative I've said. Right. Period, and my general panic button mentality. Um, so I. Like I, it's probably just completely the best timing ever, and not yeah. actually related. But my brain's no longer allowing itself to entertain it as anything other than a subtweet, and I love it. It is glorious. I guess th- th- my broader point about that, and especially if like discussing this were to get me blocked as well, but like uh, anonymous eagle, oh, yeah, exactly. Anonymous eagle, I don't feel um, is a particularly critical arm of Marquette sports like it's not that uh, as a whole our website like treats it uh, like with kid gloves or anything but I don't think you would say that Anonymous Eagle has a like a, a negative bent to it by any means I think it's sort of just like snarky and and a good chronicle because Andy works so hard especially covering the non um, men's basketball sports I I don't I don't understand why Wojo would have a hostile relationship with Anonymous Eagle content. But if it's one of those things where he's under a ton of pressure because it's, you know, his money year where he's got to put up or shut up, uh, I guess I would understand seeing any sort of uh, negativity as something to jump on and, and lash out at. But I don't know. For me, it's like he probably just used that as a way to say, like, he loves his team and, you know. Sure. Well, I mean, I think that, like, um, just from hearing from people I know that are associated with the program, he's he's pretty intensely loyal to his guys. Yeah. I mean, uh, and so I get, like, jumping to the defense of a guy, especially, like, Greg, who we all love and adore as a Marquette player, but was definitely, like, not highly touted, not, like... Sure, yeah, no, Greg was, like, was yeah. for sure under the radar. I mean, he yeah. was, like, a late commit, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a super late commit. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it, I, you know, and... I suppose I'd be a lot more angry if there had been like, oh, haha, you know, funny, see you later, Greg type stuff would come right. out of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it it was in, you know, air quotes, good fun, and right. it was more so using it to address, like, Ben, ben likes to do a lot of those hypotheticals based around stats, and um, so he's pretty heavy into advanced statistics, and uh, he did, actually did this article, the same article idea of article last year okay all right and, so you did it last year too yeah and i mean it was just a look at like what would be required like what did the team need and 
It's totally an interesting yeah. hypothetical. Yeah, too. and so it's like, and then like hypothetically, what would we have to give up to get those things we need? So uh, you know, it was in good fun. It was more so a look at uh, maybe some of the areas Marquette's been struggling with, and um, you know what we what would address those. Yeah, and so. also I just want to make my personal opinion clear. I'm a huge Greg Elliott stan. Like I, Greg Elliott is awesome. Greg and Jamal's little hijinks on Instagram are awesome. Uh, Greg's bench celebrations are awesome, and I hope the bow tie is awesome. Yeah, it's yes, definitely, and I hope it's sometime soon his uh, on court play when he uh, finally gets cleared, which is kind of a it's upcoming. Should be upcoming. Should be upcoming, but there's a lot of mystery about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, it's one of those things where it ends up getting resolved fairly soon. But I'd love to see him back out on the court uh, contributing again soon. Um, moving all on. All right, next question. Next question. Uh, from the anonymous eagle himself, yes. Andy, um, is Marquette the favorite to win the Big East this year with uh, current performances considered? Um, so I don't want to say I think Marquette will win the Big East, um, which is not the question. Um, but I would say that if you were to put money on it, and I don't know if you can find odds on that, I'm fairly certain that that's a little bit too obscure for Vegas, especially at this point of the of the season. Um, I would say that you would install Marquette the favorite if you were if you were um, you know a smart gambler. Now I don't necessarily believe that Marquette is going to win the Big East at this stage. I would be shocked if they didn't finish like top three. Um, but I would say that given Villanova's underperformance um, and struggles um, against both good teams and not-so-great mid-major teams like freaking Penn, I mean, come on. Like, I get... But they were the best 16 seed ever. Uh, I guess that that's a road game. I, I know that that's a road game, and it's a kind of a rivalry game and all the all the caveats that go with that. But that one, like the Furman one, I was willing to be like, okay, they were just sort of on a hangover effect from getting their asses kicked by Villanova, or not Villanova, Michigan, Michigan. thank you. Um, but uh, that one is just like, and you know, I thought they, they played Kansas pretty darn well for being in Fog Allen and on a Saturday in December, like that is not an easy atmosphere uh, to go in and play a close game in. Um, but also I just, watching them at times, like they just really couldn't get a bucket. Um, and I'm really worried about them. So I believe Marquette to be a better team than Villanova at this point, um, just because of how I've watched Villanova, and they don't have, you know, where in years past they've had the team they have plus like a Jalen Brunson and maybe like a a DiVincenzo type, Um, you know, when Brunson was sort of the the, the number two option behind uh, Josh Hart. Um, they don't have that this year. And so basically what they have is just because I think a lot of people maybe thought like Quinterly was going to come out and, you know, blow the doors off and sort of be that guy, uh, obviously has not at all done that. And if you get a chance and like 2,500 word, uh, college basketball articles, check out Rob Doster's breakdown on, um, NBC sports of, um, uh, Quinterly's struggles this year. It was very good. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think Villanova is a better team than Marquette right now. Um, and so the question would be, do you think that um, there's a team in the group of St. John's, um, Butler, and Creighton that is better on paper 
um, or performance-wise early this season than Marquette is, and I don't think so. So that's why I would say Marquette should be the favorite at this point. Um, St. John's is 9-0, and but St. John's' best win is against Georgia Tech on a neutral court. Although it's starting to look more and more like VCU at times, but... Yeah, I'm just going by Ken Palm, sure, but you're sure. right. Yeah, they had an overtime win over VCU, who's, a, who's their second best team by Ken Palm. But no, like I'm just based on Ken Palm, they don't have a win inside the top sixty. Um, they have um, a plethora of not so good wins, um, and they won't really face a challenge. Um, from, well, Marquette on yeah, they actually play Seton Hall before Marquette. Oh, do they? Um, which is weird. I don't oh. know why that is, but I'm looking at it right that's now. That's Marquette's first. Big East game. Right. I don't know why the Big East is starting on the 29th and Marquette doesn't play till the 1st. But okay. Wow. But yeah, um, they won't really have a challenge until uh, Seton Hall away. Um, so I'm not ready to, you know, declare a Chris Mullen coach team that hasn't beaten anybody uh, a favorite regardless of Shamora Pons and Mustafa Iran. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Butler's, Butler's played well, but not great. And Creighton um, got whammied by... Uh, Nebraska. Nebraska and I think um, the top of the Big East is confusing to me because we don't really know how good St. John's is. There's been times where, I mean, yeah, they're nine and zero. They're probably going to go to ten and zero today. Um, they got Wagner today. Yeah, um, Wagner. But they're they. You, you're right. They haven't played anybody. Right. We have no clue if they're any sort of actual good. They got played close by Cal, who is miserable. Cal's bad, bad. yeah. Um, at basically a home game, because I was at the semi garden. Home. Is it the garden? Oh yeah, I'm, yeah. I, for that to be semi home, come come on, man. I think it's just technically because it's not considered a home right. game; it's part of a, a preseason tournament. But like, that's true. Ken Palm calling that semi home is probably an upgrade from like other places calling that neutral so yeah so <laughs> california and vcu at uh the garden <laughs> at the garden is not neutral court no. for st john's no and so we we have no idea if they're actually any sort of good um creighton looks good at times so like they played gonzaga pretty tough mm-hmm. um and they've looked like if creighton's creighton is sort of like what marquette was two years ago where in any given day, if Creighton's offense clicks, they can beat anybody. But on any given day, they, if their offense isn't clicking, they're going to get shellacked. Yeah. Well, so they're just they're, they're they are the, the the polarizing team. Your comparison, and I don't I don't know if we discussed this last week because I've made this observation as well. Um, Creighton is very similar to the um, last two years of Marquette. Yeah. Um, as a, as a team, they're fifteenth in offense, one hundred twentieth in defense. They're the best effective field goal shooting team in the country. They're the third best three point shooting team in the country, and they don't stop a lick of shooting. Yeah, they're exactly. like they're like a, almost a carbon copy, as close as you'll get to what Marquette was for the last yeah. two years. And I don't think their guys are as good as Marquette's guys were. Like, yes, yeah, so. they don't have a they don't have a Rousey or a Howard. They have a Tyshawn Alexander, Davion Mintz, and Mitch Ballack. Like those guys are not as good as uh, Rousey and Howard were. Sure, uh, which, I mean, and we saw how those Marquette teams finished in the Big East. Right. So I, I, I have no confidence in putting uh, Creighton as the, the favorite. You can't win, the, you can't win a no. major college basketball conference if you can't play good defense. That's yeah, just... and you, you hit on all the Nova points I wanted to make. Um, their their half-court offense looks miserable at times. Um, and so I, 
I guess until further review, until Villanova gets into the conference season, I'm not comfortable saying Nova is like the prohibitive favorite. It's stunning for Nova to go from Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart to Jalen Brunson and Dante DiVincenzo to Phil Booth and Colin Gillespie. It's like it's like a shock to your system to watch that transition, and it's like, what happened they, to this just, team? <laughs> they, well, and it's like Phil Booth is a like a legitimate scoring threat, but yeah. the, the entire offense at times in the half court for Nova just looks poor. Yeah, like, and you can't you can't have a team built around Phil Booth's offensive ability. Like Phil Booth yeah. is a fine. Well, and then Eric, Eric, Eric Pascal was supposed to be the other big one in that, and. Didn't he have foul issues? I've seen him on the bench a lot. I've watched a lot of like snippets of Nova games, and I tend to see Phil, uh, Eric Pascal on the bench. Um, he has had foul. a f- some foul issues, but that's a, a stat to look up. Um, no, just recently. Never mind. Okay, he but fouled out that, that and I was saying he hasn't produced to the level that people thought he was going Correct. to. Phil Booth, has had, Phil Booth has had to do too much. Um, Gillespie was supposed to be the next RC Diacono, and he's not that good. Not quite there yet. He's he's fine as a player. He's not. Uh, he's not anywhere near where Archie Diacono no, but, was. Uh, uh, but Quinterly, I mean Quinterly, that's the big reason why everyone thought Villanova. Yeah. Um, that's why there's such a gulf between what Villanova actually is and what people thought Villanova that, was. That that and the the Joe Cremo impact. So yes. Joe Cremo being a, a grad transfer from Al- Albany. Yeah. Coming in. Um, he's been very quiet. Yeah, he uh, he was supposed to. Well, he, he it's very similar to the Shark Tooney situation with sure. Marquette, yep. where he was supposed to be like this huge senior grad transfer leader, and um, he was supposed to be like a, a big sort of you know steadying influence on the team and a mature influence and a defensive influence and be a consistent distributor and ball handler. Yeah, um, he's not in there. I mean, is he in their preferred five? No, I no, don't think probably so. Probably not. He'd be, he'd be, if he is, he'd be the fifth guy in it. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's a lot of factors yeah. that are keeping me from saying Villanova is the favorite. I think that it really comes down to if Providence can figure themselves out. You're so high on Providence. I am yeah. high on Providence. Um, if I, or if Butler can shake off some of the issues they've had early. So Butler has win a win over Florida. Um, Win over Ole Miss, uh, but they also have losses to Dayton, St. Louis, and uh, now Indiana at the buzzer. That game was great. Yeah. Um, so I think I would argue that Butler's probably the most consistent threat to Marquette right now. Um, Villanova obviously being the bigger potential threat if they figure right. themselves out. Well, and Butler benefits from having probably the best home court advantage um, in, yeah. the, in the conference from uh, just a standpoint of it is legitimately hard to win games when you go there on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. And you're right, they're consistent. I mean, they have a, they have a good amount of experience, um, which is um, something that the conference as a whole struggles with. Um, but you know they're of their starting five. They're they're starting um, four seniors and, and juniors, and then they rely a lot on um, at least one other senior. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and they're very experienced. They don't play any freshmen, um, which is and they have they have deal. probably this not the sneakiest. I mean, he's a pretty known quantity for being a potential Big East Player of the Year, but looking more and more like he deserves it. Kamar Baldwin. Yeah, Kamar Baldwin was great. He's yesterday. balling. He wasn't MVP, I don't think, because Juwan Morgan went off. Yeah, but um, 
So, also, that Indiana loss is not going to look bad. No, folks. I'm, not, that, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. That now. game like looked bad on paper, but losing at Indiana this year is not going to look bad. That team is legit, especially because you know we knew about Langford and Morgan going in as the two guys that were going to make Rob Finnessy. Rob Finnessy is a dog, man. <laughs> that guy is good. He's a yeah. freshman point guard, and he is great. I'm just like, I know he just like threw that in at the buzzer and like whatever, but like. He is just a rock for them. And yeah. for him to be that after like 11 or 12 college basketball games it's is nuts. incredible. And so, yeah, again, that Indiana <laughs> no. team is going to be real good. So as much as that game sucked and it, it, it was just awful to watch on, on a number of different levels, um, it uh, it was uh, it's not going to age terribly um, as a resume uh, loss for sure. No. Um, so... I mean, I think that Georgetown has potential to be a top half team, but I don't think they're going to compete. I don't think Georgetown gonna... sucks. Hush, they lost to hush, SMU hush, yesterday. Hush, hush. They lost to SMU hush. yesterday. They have the talent they to suck. do it, but I, I and I think to be quite honest, Patrick Ewing is a better coach than Chris Mullen is. I mean, yeah, I guess it. Patrick, um, the, the one thing you'll say about Patrick Ewing is Chris Mullen showed up at St. John's with, like, no coaching experience, and Patrick Ewing was yeah. an NBA assistant for, like, most of the time after he That's retired, fair. So. Um, but, Seton Hall has the good win over Kentucky, but there's, you know, still not yeah, it's still not sure about that team. Still not sure about that team. And then DePaul has had flashes of okayness, but also are still DePaul. That sound you hear is all the DePaul fans celebrating being included in a conversation about who's the favorite in the Big East. I mean, even I'm trying to just cover as, my bases. No, I appreciate you covering your bases, but they're not even usually a base that's even considered worthy being covered, so I think they're sure. happy. Um, I would say then our conclusion on this question is um, yes. is Marquette is probably the favorite in the Big East, and if we right had to now, pick someone yes. else, we would say Butler. Mm-hmm. You you and my combined um, feelings would probably anoint Butler as the most likely other team, yeah. just because. Or, 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 Villanova or Villanova, if they figure it out. But I think that that's a fairly good choice. If you have to pick a top three this year, those three, Marquette, Butler, and Villanova are probably your top three. Do we year. think, like, on paper, like... Because I was just thinking about this question. It's like if you had to bet on like if all all things being equal, like you'd take the team that had Jay Wright instead of Steve Wojciechowski or Laval Jordan. Do we think Laval Jordan is like? I think Laval Jordan's legit. Yeah, I, he's but like is he is he coach. like considerably better than Steve Wojciechowski at this point? I don't know. It's hard to say. Don't, it's hard to say. Um, don't I, don't get don't get us in more trouble. I guess as you as you get the entire account blocked. Yeah. Uh, no. So I uh, I don't know. I think that. Um, it's harder to tell because Wojo's had more time with the program. Yeah. And so we've seen him evolve on a year-to-year basis. And, like, yeah, he's always been a good recruiter. Um, we're starting to see, you know, maybe his defensive system does have the players to work now. Like, we're, we're starting to see his evolution as a coach, whereas Laval... Uh, maybe give Laval... That I've done a word, him. Uh, I completely just absolutely butchered his name <laughs> in my own brain. It's so fine. Going on, uh, Jordan, I... Uh, Butler just hasn't had the time to yeah. really produce results yet. And so, like, he, he's been very good for them so far, but I, I would like to see him evolve a little bit more before I try and compare the two. Wow. I just looked that up. Laval Jordan was not a head coach for anyone else besides one year at UWM. Yep. In his entire – wow. Yeah. It's crazy because he was what? he Was Rob, Was he Rob Jeter's top assistant and they just promoted him when they got rid of Jeter? 
Is that uh, what they did? I'm trying to remember. No? Hold on. Quick live Googling on the <laughs> roster about... Um, our, our oh, I'm going to make you really mad too because I'm going to add one more question to our list that I want to talk oh, about. Oh, no. He, that's right. He was Beeline's assistant. There I forgot about go. that. At Michigan. Yes. All right. That's right. Okay. Um, so he I'm, was an assistant at Butler, though, to start his career. Yeah. And played at Butler. Okay, this makes yeah. a lot more sense now. <laughs> Pat's learning the whole thing. Oh, yeah. There's so much more clarity about the ball here on the podcast. Um, all right. Uh, do you want to... Real quick, I want to make a quick segue because I just thought about it. and So it's a quick question. As of right now, where Marquette stands, um, Bracket Matrix, if you guys don't know what that oh, yeah. is, um, has Marquette sitting, it's sort of a, a conglomeration of where everybody is ranked as seeds yep. um, in different publications and by different systems and everything. Um, currently has Marquette as a six seed. Um, yeah. Do you think that's about right this year? Do you think it's maybe a little bit higher, a little bit lower? I think that's about right right now. Okay. Um, I, again... We if you just, had to take a wild prediction just, right now. We just talked about, like, as to what they should be or where they will end where up. Where they will end up. Um, okay. Assuming that they go, like, 13-5 and five in the Big East, um, which I think is a fair um, assumption right now. Maybe that's a little high, but um, I'd say, yeah, like a 6, eight, six or a 7 is where they end up. Okay. Um, Lenardi has them as a 5 right now. Lenardi had them. It was really interesting. So Lenardi tweets his seed list every week, and December bracketology is a little dumb. But uh, well, yes, uh, Lenardi had them as a as the first nine seed going into Wisconsin, and has them now as the last five seed after Wisconsin, which is Nuts. a wild jump. Yeah. Um, but also maybe a thought that Marquette's a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. They if they um, finish uh, like second in the big east which i think is what 13 and 5 well 13 and 5 might win the conference um but uh if they finish like second in the big east i think that they're probably like a six seed or a seven okay. seed. yeah i think that's about right because they'll lose a couple games that you'll be like they really shouldn't have done this and then they'll win a couple games like they might win at villanova or something and it'll be like oh my god what a win um but yeah no um yeah something something in the mid uh in the in the uh Second half of the f- top eight seeds uh, makes a lot of sense for them. Um, where do we want to go next? Well, I'm trying to find the... There we are. Um, so we have, first off, uh, Mr. Charlie Hauser. Charlie Hauser. At Chuckles Bit Me. Yeah. Uh, asked... Good friend of the pod. Good friend of the pod. Um, has asked uh, our favorite transfer in of the Wojo era and of the Buzz era. Um, do we want to answer with one each? Yeah, or? I'm going to do one each okay. for each of the eras. And then we're going to do a transfer out for each of the eras, too, right? As, as the one that hurt the most, right. as, it was okay. his other question. Right, least favorite. Um, yeah. So I think of the Buzz era, granted, I'm going to answer from an, a, a position of bias because I've only been around the program since 2012 when mm-hmm. I started as a mm-hmm. freshman at Marquette. Okay. Yes, listeners, I am that young. Um, but uh, so I think my favorite transfer in was Luke Fisher. Okay. Uh, even though he didn't really ever pre- or for Buzz, I should say. Yeah. Because he technically did come in under Buzz, I believe. He did. Yeah. He came um, in under Buzz, but then yeah, the, debuted under Wojo. Correct. That's right. Um. So I think that, uh, there was a lot of hype around him, as like being like the next big man. Um. He like phenom that mm-hmm. Marquette would have. Um. While arguing that he probably never lived up to the like all league selection, like first team selection, all big selection. Mm-hmm. Um, hype that I gave him myself. Um, he was an incredibly rock solid presence for Marquette um, for his time here. 
And again, being biased, even though you know I love Jay Crowder, I love Jimmy Butler, I love the guys that transferred in under Buzz before that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to do my own bias if this has happened while I was around the program and paying as much attention as I do. Sure. So uh, I think for Buzz, it's uh, Luke Fisher. For me. I don't know if my answer is cheating. I don't think it is because I think junior college uh, transfers were yeah I were allowed. Uh, Jay Crowder. Um, Jay Crowder, uh, my first uh, exposure with Marquette basketball um, was uh, I was an intern in the uh, in the athletic department um, doing media relations, and I was writing basically a game story for Go Marquette um, of Mar- uh, Marquette Madness. And when Jay Crowder was introduced, he jumped up on the scorer's table. The place was going nuts, Al McGuire Center. I'm sitting at the scorer's table, and he jumped up like maybe five feet from me. I just remember just like looking up at him and being like, "Oh my god, this! How is this person like in college, and I'm also in college? Like, <laughs> this is terrifying." Uh, and Jay won uh, Biggest Player of the Year that year over a salty uh, Kevin. Was it Kevin Smith? Was that the guy's name from West Virginia? I'm trying to think. So, so. I'm trying to remember. Um, maybe I'm West Virginia. Um, anyway, that guy was super pissed that he didn't win because he was he was. Um, he was, uh, it was not Kevin Smith. Okay. I gotta remember the guy's name. He was super salty, though, about uh, not winning. But Jay deserved it, and Jay was, like, one of those classic, like, um, under-the-radar uh, talent guys that uh, developed in a huge way. Um, and uh, A hallmark of the, the Buzz yeah, era. It was Kevin Jones, excuse me. I got the wrong, uh, got the wrong... Common uh, last name. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Kevin Jones thought he was anointed to win that and he didn't sure. um so uh now under the woj or during the woj era favorite transfer in um you go first because i still have to think of mine but okay so i think my favorite transfer in really uh for wojo era ah uh, man i yeah it's got to be rousey right yeah uh, i don't know how it can't be rousey like it's a good point I mean, we, we haven't had a full year of Ed Morrow or Chartuni yet. Right. Carthrino was Carthrino. Um, yeah, I'm definitely more... But I am biased back. with, like, Rousey being so good on a team that didn't go, like, you it's, know, like, on a nine-game losing streak in the Big East. It's hard to find a more impactful transfer, like, than Andrew Rousey. Like, Andrew Rousey, you know, certainly... and an understatement of the year for better or for worse, because that was like, honestly, if you had to describe Andrew Rousey's Marquette tenure as in a, in a phrase, it would probably be for better or for worse. Um, because while he was amazing, his like limitations, like significantly capped their potential, uh, finish in any sort of NCAA tournament. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it's gotta be Rousey. I mean, just, a totally defined, uh, definitive talent in, in that he was the sort of defining player the last two years for Marquette and was just an utter pleasure to watch uh, anytime he would go into complete god mode as he, as he would like very frequently yeah um, just couldn't defend and but uh, I mean he was just he was a cocky SOB too which I think I was a huge fan of that <laughs> because it was like whenever it would be a game a big game where Marquette would like come to play and Rousey would be the reason they were coming to play. Um, that was super gratifying to just know that he was out there trying to uh, trying to end it uh, on every circumstance. Marcus has developed a little bit of that. A little bit. Um, it's it's in Mar- in Marcus's uh, in Marcus's version. It's a lot more 
I don't want to say, like, Rousey didn't earn it as much, but, like, Rousey was doing it, like, on any occasion. I mean, he was doing it uh, when he wasn't eligible to play, right? The the Ben Simmons. Yeah, the Ben Simmons game, yeah. The stare down of Ben Simmons from when he He played at LSU. He was doing it before he was even eligible to play. So, I mean, but, yeah. Yeah, There's a lot of uh, good, like, for all the bad that Rousey did bring at times defensively and otherwise. Mm Mm-hmm. There was just so much good he brought this program that I, I have to say Rousey is my favorite one coming in under Wojo so far. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but on the flip side, Char- Charlie also asks, um, I, I, and I'll be honest, Charlie, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I don't know much about the people that left under Buzz, yeah. so I'm going to focus primarily on the people that have left under Wojo. Yeah, we don't have to answer the yeah. Buzz one. I don't think I don't think we have good enough answers. Um, I'll just throw a couple of names out quick. Uh, Jerron Maimon was a guy okay. that was at Marquette for a little while. G- I know Gabe Levin was here for a little bit. Yeah, not really, though. Um, but Jerron Maimon was, um, and I have to remember how to spell his that, name. He, plays at he played at Tennessee, Tennessee. for a little while. Yeah. Um, and he was uh, a really solid uh, contributor for them. Sure. Um, and when uh, he left sort of right at the beginning of Buzz's tenure, and uh, when it came around uh, that uh, he was... You know, dominating at Tennessee, it was one. He was one of those guys. He's from Madison. Um, mm-hmm. It was one of those guys that uh, he, Marquette could have used when he was dominating. So I'll nominate that as our, our example, well, and we can go on buzz. to the Wojo era. Well, yeah. So uh, for Wojo era, um, what transfer out hurt the program the most? I mean, I'd let you go first because I think I know what your answer is going to be, and then I'll pick another one because I, I am completely torn between four guys. Completely torn between four guys. Okay, because because I was going to think you were going to be a shoe in to say Tracy Carter because I know I know how much you so Car- miss Tracy, Tracy Carter, Carter Tracy Carter would have been perfect for this Marquette team. Yeah, I will stand for Tracy Carter. Yeah, even though LaSalle is bad this year, but um, Tracy Carter was a playmaker and a great perimeter defender and was developing an offensive game outside of being a distributor. He would have eliminated the need for a recruitment of a Joseph Chartouni type player. Yeah, Marcus um, and him this year would have been so ridiculous. But uh, without that being considered, I also think Hanif Cheatham being a good perimeter defender okay. and um, a blossoming offensive player at sure. times. That's fine. Um, I know my d- answer. The Dwayne Wilson transfer out for his grad year. Um, I'm a little skeptical of whether Marquette big, would have been way better with Dwayne Wilson. Bit, well, big on the leadership. Um, somebody yeah. that had devoted his life. He's small, though. Yeah. Um, still a good perimeter defender. Mm-hmm. Still an apt scorer. Still a, you know, still a shooter. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, his knee sort of gave out on him. Yeah. Um, so he didn't end And then the last one I want to mention, uh, shout out to, they just played in Omaha, actually. Uh, Sandy Cohen, who went to Green Bay. Um, again, just sort of fulfilling that role of perimeter defender, lanky, a shooter. I remember... The, during the Carthrino year, the Sandy Cohen breakout game that he had against a mm-hmm. mid-major, mm-hmm. Um, where you went, oh my god, this kid can shoot, this kid can score, he's going to be great. Um, you know, didn't live up to the potential, it really sucks, but, uh, you know, he's he's doing very well at University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. Yeah. Um, it's all the best to him, but I think that any one of those four were the ones that hurt me the most, or the, the, the one where it's just like, I could see all of their roles... Obviously yeah. not this year for Dwayne, but I could see all of their roles on this team. The right answer to me is Tracy Carter because, A, he was like, again, you could see how Tracy Carter would help this would help this team, and he was the first 
Wojo guy to transfer under Wojo. The other guys that had gone before were Buzz guys um, that, you know, had tried it and didn't work out. Um, I guess for me, and this is one you missed, and I think this is probably another really potential answer, Deontay Burton. Yeah, I... Deontay Burton's, like, a legit, like, I mean, not legit pro, but he's, like, yeah. in the pros, and he was amazing mean. at Iowa State. I don't know if he really would have fit into the program. Um, Deontay Burton would have fit... Oh, God, what a... He would yeah. have graduated after last year, right? Correct. Uh, no, I think he would have graduated a year earlier than okay. he did, but he just had to sit one out because he went to Iowa State, so... Right. Um, he would. He was on... Was he on Iowa State last year? No, it would have been... I he see. transferred as a sophomore, so yeah. he had two years at Iowa State. He had a year and a half. Oh, did he really? Oh, Because yeah. he transferred yeah. mid-year. Right. But uh, that that all notwithstanding, um, I think he would have played a similar role. He's not as quick as... Or as good <laughs> of a defender to, as Sakaar. I went Sakaar. to Ken Palm to find Deontay Burton, and I went to the... Uh, to the uh, uh, 2014 the last buzz team to pull him off of that and he, his usage rate is go-to guy and no one else on the team has that but him as a freshman like in limited his whenever he was on the court his usage rate was sky yeah. high um, uh 2017 was his last year so fair. he was not on their team last year it was on their team two years ago all right um so he would have gra- uh oh no so yeah he didn't lose any years in the process so he would have been on the the marquette tournament team if he sure stayed. okay uh i mean i just don't know what role he would have filled now but yeah i, I mean, see what you, I, I see what you mean i still think that like good basketball player would yeah his role yeah gun to my head i think i'd have to say tracy carter mm-hmm. but cheatham and uh Dwayne and cohen all still hurt in different ways i will always uh stand for my uh former uh neighbor neighbor in carpenter tower steve taylor Fair. As another one that transferred. Um, and, you know, I don't know if he would have actually helped Marquette that much, so that's why he's not the answer to the question, because that was the year that um, his senior year at Marquette would have been uh, the year that Henry Ellenson played, and that would have been a very difficult. And that's why he transferred, really, yeah. is because, A, he probably didn't like playing for Wojo that much, but also um, Henry Ellenson was, played his same position. Um, but I uh, definitely would say... Uh, Steve, just because, and it has to be noticed that he was a fantastic uh, fifth-year senior at uh, Toledo. At Toledo. Right? Great rebounder. Like yeah. He was one of the nation's leading rebounders that year. All right. So, uh, I'm a big fan yeah. of him. Those uh, are the answers for that. Um, next question? Next question comes to us from... I should have prepared for this while you were talking. Who, who's uh, whose question? I can probably remember. Well, I, I remember the question. Uh, is it is it Charlie Weber 45? Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's Charlie yeah. Weber 45, but I yeah. want to start in... I'm going to go in non-order of okay. the questions he provided us. Okay. First and foremost, because it plays off of transfers and departures, I'm talking about the roster. Sure. Um, he says, besides the Milkman, your favorite Marquette player that's not a star. So I'm assuming we're not talking Vander Blue... Or, right. Um, and I'm going to sort of limit it to the guys I've seen play since sure. I've been a freshman. Oh, yeah. Uh, first and foremost that pops out to my mind. So my freshman year was the Elite Eight year. Okay. Um, and the guy that was a glue guy that held that team together... Now you're going. ...was Trent Lockett. Yes. <laughs> I was like, when you said glue guy, I knew you meant Trent, Trent Lockett, Lockett right off the bat. Trent did everything for that team. And um, he was a... So he was a grad transfer senior... Um, he was a. Uh, he came in from Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Um, he was great at Arizona State, by the yeah, way. So when was, I was in high school, I was really I was followed uh, University of Washington basketball a lot, 
And Trent Lockett was a legitimate yeah. star at Arizona State. But, like, he had an offensive rating of, like, 99.9 that year. Um, <laughs> taking only 15% of the shots for the team. He was so... He was so money. He was very clutch. Yeah, he uh, had a, close to a top 150 free throw rate. Mm-hmm. Um, shot 75% from the line. Um, just, he was... Offensive rebounding percentage, 8.1. Defensive rebounding percentage, 14.9. 13.3 assist rate. Um, a not great 24.5% turnover rate, but not horrendous. Um, 1.9 block percentage, 1.7 steal percentage. I mean, he was just like a player designed to hold that team together and let it reach its potential. Yeah, and he really did. So Trent Lockett is my answer. I have a good Trent Lockett story that I'll tell quickly. Um, he uh, was... Um, uh, they had just won. It was either before they beat Miami or after they beat Miami in the Sweet 16. And Trent was from Minnesota, um, and he was from the same town as um, Myron Medcalf, the ESPN uh, writer, um, who had just ranked Marquette 16th in the reseed of the Sweet 16. And he and Buzz, I just remember this vividly, he and Buzz uh, at the podium either before or after the game were just... They couldn't. They got asked about it, and they they had known about it. They had read it, and they and he said that he was from the same town as Trent, and they were so mad that they got ranked 16 out of 16, and then they just went out and beat the crap out of like a really good Miami team. Yeah. So that was that's my quick Trent Lockett aside. Um, I am going to say Jawan Johnson um, is my favorite sort of bit Marquette player. Now Jawan was actually by the time he was a senior, and he came in as like a top, top 50. 50, yeah, recruit. Um, but but he never really um, starred for Marquette. Um, but I loved um, just everything about um, his sort of attitude on the court was awesome. His play style where he just had like his like three or four moves that he had on offense and executed to perfection. His sort of run out steals were always the best. And just a, a, an overall solid role player that um, they would not have made as big of an impact as they did um, in 2017 without his uh, development. And um, I have a story that I probably am not uh, uh, comfortable telling on the pod, uh, but uh, about him uh, in a uh, in a class that a friend of mine had with him that is just hilarious and has sort of made him a, uh, a uh, cult, cult hero uh, among our, uh, our friend group that follows Marquette um, and also if you follow him on Twitter his tweets are rather hilarious in their simplicity and he's uh, um, Lou Williams' uh, cousin there you go so that was awesome whenever Lou Williams would tweet at him anytime he had a good game so that was good Lou Williams sure, famous of course for being a great NBA six man and having two girlfriends at once <laughs> um, like legit not like you yeah. know in the normal NBA way of having two girlfriends at once but in the way that like he was legitimately publicly dating two women at the same time who were totally cool with it anyway uh, moving on <laughs> uh, so Charlie continues by asking um, a little bit about uh, Jamal Kane. uh what role can he play for the team right now with him being nailed to the bench? Um, so, first of all, I know we speculated Jamal Cain um, is a potential person who we're feeling was sort of in that transfer sweet spot that we've seen with Marquette so much as a guy that's clearly got some potential that wasn't um, getting the kind of minutes that he probably expected at this point. Um, I would say, and this was reiterated to me this week, that because of his friendship with Greg Elliott, I think that was maybe something that we didn't consider 
Um, and then as long as Jamal and Greg are sort of like together in the program, they're probably both sticking around. So that's that's something that I'm happy about because I think you and I both really, really want to see Jamal succeed. Um, I think the biggest thing, and I haven't like gone back and watched tape, but I think the general sense is that he's struggling defensively um, in that he really should, his body type feels like it would dictate that he'd be a good perimeter defender and I think he's really struggled um I think he can use his corner three as a sort of calling card um he's only attempted one three-pointer um since he sort of became the bench warmer that he's become um and I think that last year he uh was able to contribute as a three-point shooter in short bursts um and I think that that's kind of his roadmap for um getting back into the swing of things, at least offensively. Um, but, I, I mean, I think he can do everything that Brendan Bailey's been doing. Like, I don't see why. I mean, Brendan's probably... Uh, Brendan probably is older, just because he's... Brendan is older. Brendan is older, so he's probably a little bit more Wojo's just going to him for that reason. But, I mean, I don't see why Jamal couldn't carve out 10 consistent minutes a game and... If he needs to be able to make the most of those minutes, um, but obviously Joey Hauser, um, Joey and Sam, sort of one of them always either being three or four, um, and Sakar Annam playing all the minutes that he is, uh, even though some of it isn't always the most quality, um, it's tough for Jamal to sort of crack that rotation if he's not playing consistently good on both ends. Sure. Um... I agree with that. I mean, there's just been guys that are doing what he does better than him right now. Um, Sakar has been doing just fine defending um, as sort of you know the premier perimeter and wing defender that we have. Um, yeah, and I mean Jamal has looked lost on offense, sure. absolutely yeah. miserably lost. Like a lot of his looks came off of the threat that the Rousey Howard Hauser trio presented from three, and so. Um, you know, he, he was never really a ball handler. Um, so I think the fact that for as athletic as he is, not being able to drive and get to the rim as much is yeah. certainly a problem. Yeah, you're right. His handle is very loose. Yeah. I think and, that's an issue. Um, he's not an elite passer. No. Um, so I think that offensively, he's just not offering a lot. And his defense hasn't been good enough to make up for that. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's been miserable on defense. I no. just think that uh, I, th- I find the, the areas of issue is in his offensive game, and then it's, his defense is fine, Yeah. but we can get fine defense out of Brendan. We can get fine defense to better defense out of Sakar. We can get even better defense on the guys he would be guarding maybe from Sam or Joey or, um, yeah. you know, insert. I think, up, yeah. I think I know that Joey plays at least a position up from him, but I really think Joey... Because um, I think we knew coming in that Marcus Sakar and Sam would all be solid rotation pieces that yeah. would take up a lot of minutes at their respective spots. But I think Joey emerging as a guy that's doing that and basically leaving the only opening as like the five or a small ball winger yeah. um, is really been a difficult situation for Jamal, just minutes-wise, especially if he hasn't been utilizing them um, to the best of his ability. Um, and I think... Um, two points I want to make off of that is that's probably not going to change, really. I mean, nobody's no. graduating. No. And like, Matt Held is the only senior. And, Bre- and Brendan Bailey's hopefully only going to get better. Yeah, so it, this is 
this is going to be a situation where Jamal is going to have to like use the limited uh, uh, minutes, he gets. minutes he gets. Exactly. But I will say that if he can sort of get back to his bread and butter, as like you like to say, corner Jamal or Jamal's corner, that's what you call it. Um, he uh, this team is not a good three point shooting team right now. So uh, if he yeah if he starts if he can do shot, that, yeah. then that's like oh he's that's the fast track back. That's the way back. Yeah. Is that okay? Jamal, when he's in there, he can make a corner three because this team really only has, like, two to three consistent three-point shooters right now. Sure. Um, all right. So we do have one more question. Yes. Real quick, again from Charlie Weber. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the most underrated campus building? Wow. Um, that's a good question. Um, I th- I'm going to go with Zilber. Okay. Um, because in the wintertime, if you're walking across Marquette's campus, you can walk through the Zilber Tunnel with, with no, um, and so that sort of saved, it, like, especially if you're, say, walking from um, the sort of by the bridge area of campus, or you're going the other way. So if you're going from, like, if you, like, live off campus up by 16th and, and Wells area, if you're coming down to something like Johnston Hall, say, on the other end of campus, you can walk through the little Zilber Tunnel, and if you're going the other way, you can do the same thing. And also, I worked there for at least a semester, and that's a great building and a great place. I'm going to go sure. Zilber. Uh, so, me having my computer engineering degree means I did a lot of crossover with math and computer science, mm-hmm. which means I spent a lot of time in Cudahy Hall. Um, Cudahy, Cudahy, however... Pa- I think people. it's Cudahy, isn't it? But Cudahy... Everybody pronounces it different. Everybody pronounces it different. shocking pronunciation yeah. from Sam here. <laughs> no, Sa- Sa- Sam can't pronounce anything. That's mm. rule number one. But... Reminder that neither of us are Wisconsinites. Yeah, but no, like... But I've heard it called 19 different things by 19 different people. That's what I'm getting at here. Sure. Uh, but I spent a lot of time there. I found a lot of cool places to study there. Um, if you go up to the fourth floor on that building... There's a lot of like little nooks and crannies you can tuck yourself in and just study for hours and not be bothered by people. Um, so I always like uh, classes under, in those lecture halls. Like, underrated that. Yeah. All right. So that's the last question we had. Okay. Um, we I, we had some other stuff we potentially wanted to talk about. We're starting to get to the t- the time limit we're imposing upon ourselves. Yeah. Um, so quickly. Uh, North Dakota, and then we'll talk about Buffalo. I mean, the the long short of it is that North Dakota's. Uh, going to, f- like, value, it looks like. Um, I'm just looking at the Kempom numbers, to be fair, but North Dakota's not that great. Um, they actually have a decent uh, f- uh, effective field goal percentage defense. It's 130. I mean, it's better than the national average. This is going to look like a lot like these other games have. Yeah. And, and the real question is, is this more of a UTEP? Or is it more of, uh, what's an easy one? Like, like, yeah, like... like uh, and the hope is that they can make it more of a Bethune-Cookman um, because, again, this team... Actually, <laughs> this team beat UWM, so I shouldn't joke about it too much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're... Yeah, it's like, wow, they beat UWM twice! They're only... They're only they're six and five, and four of them... Four of those wins are against non-Division One opponents, and then they beat UWM twice. That is amazing! <laughs> I love it. Okay, so, yeah, long short of it... Um, North Dakota will not win this game. Marquette will lose this game. Yeah, sure. That like like if if the unthinkable happens, it will be all of or, Marquette's. Or it'll be a win on paper and feel like a loss because Marquette it'll be like, like Presbyterian or Utah. Right, but exactly. Like yeah, like, 
if if there's any struggles in this game, it will be Marquette's doing to themselves. Yeah, and this is one of those games that could be like, all right, wow, this was a good display, and like, oh, some guys that didn't get a lot of minutes in prior, yeah. prior games are getting a lot of minutes, or it could just be like one of those games, like again, like the UTEP game was, where it was like, oh my goodness, why is this a close game? It's yeah. so frustrating. But anyway, that's uh, some Buffalo. Let's talk Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo, or as I always like to say, Butler. Yeah, Pat has um, called them Butler like four times on the pod. So. Yeah, and also twice before we started recording yeah. today. Both of them completely unconscious. It was really bad. So I Buffalo, don't know why I keep doing yeah, this. Buffalo, undefeated uh, yes. so far. Uh, um, as of now, they have, they have to play at the Carrier Dome. Yeah. So uh, they, Yes, that's fair. Um, so although have, Old Dominion won at the Carrier Dome yes, yesterday. Yes, they did, so which who knows? is awesome. <laughs> um, so they... Buffalo's beaten West Virginia at West Virginia in yeah. OT. Well, that was the one where everyone was like, oh, Buffalo. Yeah. Right, good. Well, and this is the team that upset Arizona last year and right. completely always – Arizona, on a side note, is the team that I always put way too much faith in in the bracket every year. So, I yeah. Every year, I'm like, I'm well, not going to put – That was the team that, like, DeAndre they hated each other and Aiton. were all well, I don't know people's names now. Ha-ha. It's Aiton. Uh, they were – like, that Arizona team, like, hated each other, and they were, like, coming apart at the seams yeah. because of all the controversy. But it was still a fantastic win. And, yeah. Um, so they beat West Virginia. This this year's Buffalo team returned basically everybody. Yeah. Um, so you're looking at uh, Nick Perkins, a senior. Jeremy Harris, a senior. C.J. Massenburg, a senior. Um, Devonta Jordan, a junior. Uh, Dante Carruthers, a senior. It's Montel McRae, a senior. It's it's really scary in that way. Um, it's just the roster is, is is really really good and really experienced. And I would say almost as much as um, you know, everyone is talking about the West Virginia win. Um, blowing out St. Bonaventure at St. Bonaventure. I know St. Bonaventure isn't a name that like inspires a lot of confidence. They've but beat, actually, they've beaten Southern Illinois twice already, too. Yeah. And Southern Illinois is Southern Illinois is not good. bad. They beat San Francisco on a neutral court. San Francisco is top 50 in Ken Palm, which is like... Unheard of. It's, yeah, it's unheard of for San Francisco, but I mean, that's another top 50 Ken Palm win. They give that. They give them an A win for that. That's mm-hmm. kind of wild. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, the name uh, that is coming up the most, especially because of that West Virginia game, is C.J. Massenburg. Yeah. Um, that's a really, really experienced college basketball player um, who has scored uh, in double figures in all but one game this season um, that he played in. He didn't play in another one. Um, but, I mean, he's just a, a solid, talented player. And I think this uh, Buffalo team... Um, which has, I think they, did they crack the top 25 after the West Virginia win? Yes. And they've only continued to rise yes. uh, since then. I think that that's something uh, definitely to track. Uh, just because this, this again, like I said before, this is a game, a time, that Marquette doesn't usually play um, a challenging game. Sure. Um, and they are unfortunately running into... Um, a real test here at this point of the season and you know look at it like you will as you will like whether that's a good thing that they're um that you know getting a test uh at this point or for me i honestly hate this game because it feels like if marquette beats buffalo everyone will just be like oh well buffalo wasn't as good as everyone thought so that's that's why uh they didn't win this but if marquette loses to buffalo they get a mid-major loss that I'm sure Buffalo will, you know, 
remain good and well regarded, especially if they can sweep Syracuse and Marquette this week. Um, but it it still is a matter of like, why did you guys lose to Buffalo at home? Yeah. Um, uh, so just some quick stats breakdown sure. before we get out of here. Um, so uh, Buffalo's holding teams to a forty five point seven percent effective field goal percentage, which is pretty good. Um, most of that is because they have a top twenty three point defense. Yeah. Um, so they're holding opponents to 27.5. Yeah, that's concerning. Um, they get a lot of blocks, so they're a t- or number 21 in block percentage at 15%, mm-hmm. um, which is weird because they don't play really anybody over 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, yeah, the one uh, that's jumping out to me is that they don't turn the ball over at all. Yeah, they, they 15% turnover rate, which is 10th yeah. in the country. That's really good. Yeah, and... Um, and is that the steal one? That means they don't surrender steals, yeah, they, right? The, yeah, that's part of it. So but that's part of the turnover. The good thing about that... I'm not too concerned about that because Marquette this year isn't a team creating a lot of turnovers. Right. Um, we're getting good defensive yeah. stops, but we're not getting steals. You're we're right. not that's getting. Not a, yeah. That's not a stat that would necessarily disrupt Marquette's sure. um, ways so th- to win. Th- things ways to win here. Um, Marquette needs to get to the free throw line. I uh, so Buffalo is allowing only 31 percent or 31 or 0.31 free throws attempted for every field mm-hmm. goal attempted. Um, so market needs to do something to disrupt that number. Um, market Buffalo's uh, turning people over on twenty one point nine percent of their possessions. We need to not turn the ball. It, it's been sort of the mantra we've been giving you about market all season. That's the that's yeah. the key in every market. Just if we don't turn the ball over, we should win this game. Um, I think that their offensive, uh, they're not a great three point shooting team. They're average at best, um, and they're a really good uh, two point shooting team. And I think that that bodes fairly well for Marquette because I think we've seen a lot of improvement on two-point defense yes. from Marquette this year. Um, so I think that that's a positive. Um, if Marquette's big guys can stay out of foul trouble, um, their two-point defense is very good, especially as a team unit. Um, so if that's the way that um, Buffalo likes to go about getting their points, um, I think that that um, is offers a lot yeah. of uh, opportunity for Marquette. This is a game Marquette should win, but this is also a game that like we've said, presents a ton of challenges in a, in a time that Marquette is used to sort of coasting into the Big East season. But I, I, I hate it in in that way, but I like it in the way that um, it continues to keep this team sort of on edge as they head into um, their conference challenges. They don't just get to coast out of the Madison win. Um, and it's good because they've had plenty of time off. Um, North Dakota will you know be a game that they probably won't put a ton of energy and effort into no offense and you know i'm sure wojo will try but you know same thing happened against utep in between kansas state and wisconsin and i'm sure coming out of finals and you know staring christmas down and maybe worrying about that buffalo game there probably isn't going to be a ton that goes into the north dakota game but again if they emerge victorious against buffalo um and just assuming that north dakota and southerner wins which i don't think is too um, much of a jump to do. Sure. Um, they will have achieved that eleven and two number that both of us set for them, um, and Oof, that what it like honestly. And this is what we predicted too. We predicted Indiana and Kansas's losses, but when you're sitting three and two, and that Louisville game is starting to slip away, it's like wow, this team is really on razor's edge of doing absolutely nothing in the non-conference, and now. Five straight wins later, and with these two games coming up this week, like this is they've set out and done exactly what they needed to, and it's just an amazing shift and um, one that's a huge momentum um, uh, 
provider as they head into the conference season. Sure. Uh, Anything yeah. else you want to, you no, want that's, to add on? That's all I got for our, today. All right. Uh, we will be back. We're not exactly sure when. As many of you know, Christmas is next Tuesday. Next Tuesday? I think it's next Tuesday. Yeah. The Not this, not not two days from now. Right. Tuesday but, Yeah. Day. So um, neither of us will be in town. So we'll see when we get to Yeah. We'll see when we get to the next podcast. It likely won't be until after Christmas. Yes. Um, and it likely will be sort of a... Uh, focus on what's coming up in the Big, Big East, East season yeah. um, because Buffalo will be probably nearly a week old by then um, and hopefully there's nothing to talk about from North Dakota or Southern. Um, so it will probably be more of a taking the pulse of the Big East as we head into uh, conference play um, and we will be excited to be back but until then I uh, hope all of you have a fantastic holidays um, and uh, go Marquette.